When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Livin' the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. All right, joining me on this week's Livin' the Bream, somebody who is multi-talented, he does it all, and on top of that, he's got a new album that we're going to talk about, but he's just survived coronavirus. So this man has stories to tell. He had stories before, he's got new stories now. Uh, welcome, Charles Billingsley, Christian recording artist, author, worship pastor, and the brand new project is entitled I Was Made for This. When you recorded it, you didn't know you'd be in the hospital fighting for your life when it came out. No, I had no idea. That's pretty bad timing right there, but it, it really happened. One of the nights I was in the hospital, the record released, and uh, I was so mad because I couldn't do any interviews or anything, but you know, all in God's timing, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, it was a really rough road. I mean, the beginning when people say like, ah, do you even know anybody with coronavirus? Do you know anybody in your neighborhood or whatever? And as soon as your case came up, I'm like, yeah, I actually know somebody now who is actively fighting this thing. Tell Mm -hmm. us what the experience was like for you. Um, It was, this was so new spreading across the country. Did you have any idea this might be what you had sitting in Lynchburg, Virginia of all places? No, I didn't. I I was sitting on my 26th wedding anniversary, sitting at dinner with some friends of ours across town. And uh, like we get to the end of the dinner and I just feel this fever coming on, but I didn't really think anything of it. And the next morning I had a slight fever, but I took some Tylenol and just went about my day. And the same thing with that Sunday. But then by that Sunday afternoon, this fever was just really grabbing hold of me. And by Monday morning, it was up to 103 and just was not moving. And uh, so I went and got tested for the flu and it came back negative. And then um, he said, well, I'll just test you for coronavirus just for fun. And sure enough, two days later on uh, April 1st, April Fool's Day, uh, it comes back positive. And, um, and, you know, that fever held on for about, well, for, I don't know, 19 days. But the, the first 10 to 11 days, you know, you keep thinking, well, surely it's just going to go away at, at some point, but it, it doesn't. And, 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 you know, with some people, coronavirus, you know, it grabs you for a few days and then it lets go. And, and you know, your, your symptoms are sort of light. But for some reason, it hit me hard. And, and uh, after about 12 days of 103 degree temperature, I ended up um, having my doctor come over and he checked my lungs and said they sounded horrible. And then he checked my oxygen levels and they were really low. So they took me to the hospital and put me in there for several days. And, you know, that's when it, uh, it got fairly serious for me. Thankfully, I never was on a ventilator or anything like that. So my, my heart just goes out to those who have been or who are right now because uh, it's a pretty miserable virus, honestly. Um, got out of the hospital on Saturday before Easter. And uh, when... You kind of uh, talked your way out, didn't you? Yeah, I'm not so sure they that. were ready for you to go. <laughs> they weren't. The doctors, she said, uh, "Look, your your blood tests are worse today than they were yesterday." Mm-hmm. And and uh, but it was the Saturday before Easter, 
And uh, I just um, had been there for three days and two nights. And, and you know, all they could really give me was Tylenol. They didn't have that, uh, what's it called, Rem, uh, Remdesivir? Yeah, they did not have that. But I had an author friend of mine named Karen Kingsbury. She kept texting me going, you got to tell them to give you this, give you this, give you this. But, you know, they didn't have that at the time. And and I did just taken Tylenol. I told the doctor, I said, well, look, I I could take Tylenol from home. And, and you know, the pills are better. <laughs> so, you know. Let's get back to when you were in the hospital, because I imagine it was super frustrating. I heard your message when you shared about this. Um later on at Thomas Road Baptist Church, you talked about how um, you kind of were praying for a miracle. Like, I feel horrible. I'm in the pit here. Let's have something miraculous and get this over with. But that wasn't the plan. No, it really wasn't. In fact, I, I really just kept thinking, you know, hey, wouldn't this be a cool story if I just walked out of here in 10 minutes? And I was like, yeah, but uh, that's not what happened. In fact, I got progressively worse even after I left the hospital. Um, in fact, when I stood up to leave the hospital, um, my left foot, I felt, I felt like I'd broken it. It was a horrible pain. And the nurse asked me what was wrong. And I said, well, I don't know. I didn't take any of those blood clot shots that they offered me, but she said, well, you're, you were moving around quite a bit. I don't think you needed them. I said, well, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'll work it out. Maybe it's a cramp or something, but over the next several days, it just got progressively worse. And, and my doctor figured what it was, was just lots of blood clots in my the capillaries of both my legs uh, from the knees down. And uh, I, it was unbelievably painful. I, I've never been through anything like that. And for about five days, I had a really difficult time just moving anywhere. But my, my precious wife, she would rub down my legs every night and try to work these, uh, those, all those little lumps in my legs out. And, and, it, and eventually they got better. And about the time that was getting better, my fever started going down, and I finally ended up making it three days without a fever and was able to go get tested negative on April 20th, my wife's birthday. So, Oh, my goodness. This sandwiched in between your wedding anniversary, her birthday, uh, yeah. your, your album release. I mean, there were so many <laughs> different things going on at once, and you could never have planned for this crazy thing that has disrupted everyone's life. Um, yeah. So... What do you take away from this? Um, because I got to think when you survive something that terrible, there's maybe a lesson for the rest of us too. Oh, for sure. In fact, uh, you know, laying up by yourself in that isolated hospital room, you, you, you have a lot of time to think about some stuff. And, you know, the, I think the first thing that was so vivid to me when my doctor told me that um, if if I wasn't in decent shape, that my blood work was so bad that I should be dead right now. Um, I think that woke me up a little bit and opened my eyes. And then when the, when the doctors in the hospital told me, look, if you can leave the hospital if you want to, but if you do and you tank uh, with your lungs, which we've seen happen multiple times, she said, uh, you won't make it back to the hospital. Well, you know, when you hear people say that to you for the first time in my life, because I've always been relatively healthy, I hadn't even had a cold in four years, um, you know, it will really wake you up. And, and I think the first thing I was reminded of was just how fragile life is and how precious uh, the ones around you, your family, your loved ones, how much they really mean to you. And it... Uh... It reminded me in a, in a really vivid way of, of how important it was to just take advantage of every moment 
and every conversation that I have with them because um, we honestly don't know how long we have on this earth. And uh, forgive me, I got I got pretty emotional over the last month because um, I think this thing works you over, not just physically, but emotionally and also mentally, you know, with all the isolation and just dealing with this kind of alone, um, you know, it, but but through the process, I really gained a lot of wisdom as well. I feel like the the Lord uh, really taught me some lessons. Number one, about how important it is to grow in, in your faith. You know, I, I honestly, um, but I honestly don't know how people are able to cope through a process that we've just gone through, uh, being alone as much as they are without some sort of faith and a higher power in the Lord. And so... Um, you know, it, it, it really gave me strength and it, it reminded me of how essential it is to have faith in God and he can give you the strength that you need. And he, and he did. He didn't heal me like I wanted him to. Um, <laughs> but I also wasn't asking for his will to be done. I just wanted my will to be done. Mm-hmm. We often, that's where we come from, like, especially in a place of pain and a, in a real valley. But I don't know about you. I feel like the worst, darkest, most horrible valleys of my life or where I've known him better than anything yeah. else because you have yeah. nothing else. Um, you know, if you're a person of faith, yeah, I mean, you get to that moment and I keep thinking to me, the worst thing about these COVID stories that we report on are people being alone and their family mm-hmm. desperate to see them, maybe drop them off running into an emergency room or at a doctor's office, not realizing I'm not going to see them for days. They're alone fighting this by themselves with no one to cheer them up, no one to hold their hand, no one to say, I'm here beside the bed. I'm not going anywhere. That's me when you say not just the physical, but the emotional had to be so tough. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of weird to drop me off at the back door of the emergency room and kiss. Well, not kiss my wife because we both had masks on, but but basically (laughs) just (laughs) just wave goodbye to my wife. You know, and I and I felt very confident that I was not in any danger of losing my life or anything at that point. But I had no long idea how long I'd be there. And, uh, you know, thank God for modern technology and cell phones and texting and stuff, because otherwise you have no connection with anybody. And, and even the hospital nurses and doctors, I mean, I felt so sorry for them because they literally come in with all this garb on. Mm-hmm. And they deal with you, and then they have to, and people don't know this, they have to take all that off, put it in a trash bell, go out of your room, and put a whole other batch of that mm-hmm. stuff on to go to the next room. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do this all day long. And I, I, I tell you, man, they, they really are heroes, and I just appreciate how hard they work. And um, my doctor, he's a member of our choir at the church. He, he told me he hadn't actually slept in his own bed for eight weeks. Oh, my goodness. Um, because living in a rental house that they have because he's afraid that he, he doesn't want to expose his family mm-hmm. to the virus. And, you know, big sacrifices for this thing. And it's, you know, we cover it day in and day out. And sometimes um, you try not to become, um, you know, deadened to it in any way because these are real people who, yeah, I mean, every day I read a story about a doctor who doesn't go home, they don't want to infect their loved ones, their kids. Um, they see their little kids through the sliding glass door, through the window. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a very different illness in that way that it's, um, it, there is the mental and emotional component to it that's unlike so, like cancer or something else that's also horrible, but mm-hmm. you just have to fight it in a different way. Meanwhile, you had this fantastic album that <laughs> they're being released while you're in the hospital. <laughs> 
Um, and I downloaded the title, right away. I was made for this. <laughs> I, right. And the title, I was made for this. It's such a great project. Like all of your things are, I mean, I'm glad your lungs made it through because they're very valuable. <laughs> and love all your music. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. So tell us about how it came together. And then I want to ask you about one song in particular. Okay. Well, um, you know, obviously we had no idea that we would be dealing with a pandemic when we released the record. Uh, we set that release date in January, um, but we wrote all the songs, you know, from like August to December of the year before, of last year. Um, and I mean, you know, I have a tradition. Every time I do a new record, I always listen through the project the night it releases. Well, I just so happened to be laying by myself in a hospital bed, and I thought, well, I might as well listen to this record. And boy, you know, it's funny because I got about three or four songs in, and I forgot I was listening to my own record because the lyrics were just so poignant mm -hmm. and timely for all that we're going through as a culture and as really as a world. And uh, I got caught up in the songs. And I'm telling you, by the time I got to the, you know, tracks 9, 10, 11, I was just having uh, a pretty powerful worship experience in the, in the uh, hospital room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess so. I, I guess I ended up encouraging myself. But, but um, you know, it, it's really a project that just reminds everybody of why we were created in the first place. We were we were really created by by God to worship God. And so every song sort of takes you on a journey along those ways. And and I even did some remakes of some pretty fun, um, you know, mainstream songs that I, I really have loved over the years. Yeah, and one of my favorite is Curie by Mr. Mister. I've always <laughs> loved that song. When I saw Me it, too. I have to admit, I did jump to it first. So <laughs> well, I, I, mean, like, oh, I love this song. <laughs> well, I've always loved that song, too. And, you know, for probably 20 years, I wanted to do a remake of it, but I just never did. And this year, it just felt right. And, you know, Kyrie means Lord have mercy along our journey. And so I thought, man, this fits the theme of this record pretty well. So we, um, you know what we did? I don't know if we have time for this. I'll tell you real quick. We, we we found a guy in Chicago that actually went through just this painstaking process of recreating all this, the very sounds from that original mm -hmm. 1983 recording. Mm -hmm. And he gave them to us. He gave us those sounds. So okay. all of the keyboard sounds you hear are literally just legit. And then, of course, we hired the best of the best. And, and then we added brass to it to kind of give it just a little edge and a little different than the original. And so it's sort of like Mr. Mr. Meet Chicago, but it's uh -huh. pretty cool. And I did 24 tracks of background vocals on there. So it's, oh it's been my goodness. <laughs> that is yeah. so funny. Um, listen, anything that has to do with uh, Chicago, the eighties, Mr. Mr. I mean, I'm in, that's some good stuff. Me too. Um, Me too. And, I want to just hear an eighties record. Listen, at, in the, please do. I will be your number one first purchaser. Everybody who knows anything knows about, about me is I'm obsessed with 80s music. We play it on the commercials during my show. Well, uh, me too. In fact, I, I think the last good song was written in 1989. You have a particular one? Because, listen, I have a lot of favorites from the 80s. But, yes, oh, kind of the cutoff point. I mean, Journey, Def Leppard, Loverboy, uh, Phil Collins. I'm a huge Phil Collins yeah. fan. I mean, I love it all. In fact, my radio stays on 80s on 8. That's all I Me too. To. And listen, we saw Def Leppard and Journey together. In Me too. <laughs> A couple years ago. It was so good. We're so yes. good and not cool. Um, uh oh, it was amazing. 
I thought it was fantastic. And I said to myself that if they do it again, I will go and see them again. Now, listen, sure. I would have gotten kicked out of my school and my church growing up. <laughs> <I'm listening laughs> either too. one of them. But I really appreciate <laughs> that. So. so I was glad you included that song. But tell me now, I mean, being on this end of this and looking back, writing those songs, um, knowing at the time you never knew what was coming, um, not just for you, um, most importantly, but for the rest of the world as well. Um, how does the, the process come together of writing the songs? And what does it say to you now that, man, those seeds were all being planted and put together with the Lord knowing what was coming? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because every, every song we wrote on there has its own little story, you know. Uh, they're all really unique. But, uh, you know, like when a lady comes up to me after a concert and she goes, look, could you just sing for me? When I want to praise the Lord, will you sing on my behalf to the Lord? And I went back to my hotel room and got to thinking about Romans chapter 8, where the Bible literally tells us that the Holy Spirit will pray on our behalf to the Lord when we don't know what to say. So we wrote this song called Sing for My Soul, and it really turned out cool. And then playing racquetball with a friend of mine, he, he asked me, uh, you know, why I was so frustrated. And I said, well, it's just because I feel like I'm supposed to go back to Lynchburg and we haven't sold our house and blah, blah. I just started, you know, complaining to my friend. Well, for two years, I'd been kind of walking him through a really difficult time with his business and his thing. And so he just stopped me in mid-sentence. He said, you know what? I, I think that you're probably right where you're supposed to be. And when he said that phrase, it hit me. And I went home and I called my songwriting buddies. And I said, I want to write a song about where you're supposed to be. And I think of all the songs on this record, that lyric probably is the most, outside of maybe Sting's remake that I did of Fragile, those two songs combined really uh, encapsulate the time that we're living in because we're living in a really fragile time, but it could be that we're right exactly where we're supposed to be, even as a society, because I think perhaps God's trying to wake us up a little bit. And he's shown us how in just a few weeks time, we can lose all our money, our health, our, our you know, normalcy. We, it's gone. It's all gone. And boy, it didn't take long, did it? So um, just a reminder to everybody that uh, there's a God who's in control. He's not surprised. But in the meantime, maybe we should just take a little time and seek him because uh, there might be a message he's trying to send us. Mm-hmm. I find it very comforting that I'm, I'm not responsible for running the universe. You know? Oh, my gosh. Like, so I'm like, no, I'm glad that I, can, I have someone else I can say, like, I feel like all of these emotions, anxiety and fear and you know, worry and uh, all these kinds of things that I can just give them to someone else and say, yeah, casting all my cares on you. And, uh, he takes it from there. So, I mean, your music is a great way to do that too, for people, um, whether the people are faith or not, they will be blown away by your talent and, um, they'll be so blessed by this and it's a fantastic project, but even better is your story and who you are and how you live this out every day. And um, we so enjoy hearing you both speak and um, sing. So thanks for sharing all of your talents with everyone so gracefully. And I'm so glad to see that you're so much better. Thank you, Shannon. Listen, I'm a big fan of your work. I watch you every night at 11. And uh, it's just an honor to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Well, Charles, we look forward to seeing you again in person soon when we can all be safe and healthy and worship and celebrate together. Without a mask on. No mask. It's, I mean, listen, it inhibits the singing. That's right. <laughs> Soon mask-free. We hope to see you, Charles. Glad that you're so much better. Again, the project is I Was Made for This. You will love it. Check it out. Thanks, Charles. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.